0: This podcast is brought to you by the Voinovich School of Leadership and Public Service
1: at Ohio University. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Jazzed About Work, where we talk about everything that might have an impact on your career. I'm your host, Bev Jones. I'm an executive coach, and I write about success and happiness at work. Today, we're exploring ways to help young people approach their working years and prepare for meaningful careers. Our guest is Aaron Llewellyn, the CEO of Global Citizen Year. That's a nonprofit that creates gap terms and other experiences to help college students develop the emotional and intellectual toolkit to impact global issues. Erin will share thoughts about how Generation Z is focused on overcoming huge societal challenges, like climate change. We'll talk about what Gen Z looks like as it enters the workforce, and discuss ways this young crowd may be unlike millennials and other earlier generations. Erin will offer suggestions about what employers might want to consider as they bring Gen Zers on board. And she'll share thoughts about how you or your kids might structure an enriching international learning experience. Aaron, thank you so much for being here today. I've been looking forward to talking with you. Well, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. And and today, of course, we want to get an update on Global Citizen Year. We've talked about them before here on Jazz About Work and. Uh, I, I want to hear your insights on what Gen Z is doing, what they want from work, because I know you've been learning a lot from your programs about it. But really, one of my favorite things on this podcast is to hear about our guests' own interesting careers. So anybody who comes here is here, partly just because their own story is pretty interesting and we can all learn from it. So I would love um, if you would tell us how you got to where you are today? I understand you've been a leader in several social impact organizations, and you started kind of young to be an innovator. Could could you just give us your story?
0: I'd be happy to. And Bev, this is one of my favorite parts of your podcast, so I'm excited to participate in it. Oh, great! Um, I love hearing people's stories. Um, you know, for me, I think it all starts with an experience I had right after college. I'm from a blue-collar family in a working-class town in Oregon. And I, I went to University of Oregon, so I stayed close to home. But I always had this, this drive, some sort of need that I can't really describe, to experience something different, something outside of where I grew up. And I got this incredible opportunity through a program at the university where I got to go live and intern in Cape Town, South Africa. And there I... I got to live with a group of South African women. I had an internship focused on prevention of gender-based violence. And for me, from my background to get an opportunity like that, it was it was such a big deal for both me and my family. And it changed my life forever. It It changed the way I saw what was possible for myself and it changed my perspective on the world. And You know, when I returned, I knew a few things to be true, which was that I wanted the feeling I had in Cape Town, South Africa. Again, I wanted to feel stretched. I wanted to keep learning uh, at the level that I felt like I was learning there. And I wanted to be outside my comfort zone, even though that was a little bit scary. I knew it was good for me because I had just had that experience. And I also finally knew that I was capable of moving to a new place because I had just done it. So I moved to Oakland, California, and that's where I still live today. And I got my first career-type job, which was I was a recess coach for what was, you know, then a newer nonprofit called Playworks. And for two years, I worked at an elementary school in Oakland, and I got that feeling of immersing myself in a new community again.
1: Can and, Can I just interrupt to ask you? Yeah. You're a recess coach.
0: Yes, I was. So Playworks was is dedicated. Yeah, Playworks is dedicated to making sure that there's meaningful play at elementary schools across the country. And there was a trend. There was a real trend on focusing on you know uh, reading and writing and math to the extent that recess was being diminished across the yeah. country in many states. And so Playworks was born from from that. And. Uh, what we did is placed recess coaches across playgrounds, you know, on playgrounds across the country and taught young people how to play, how to have safe play, how to have meaningful play, conflict resolution. And we orchestrated a whole event every every recess. And that was, that. that was my job. I love that. It was so a fabulous fun.
1: starting job because you had responsibility and you had to be creative. Oh,
0: oh, exactly. I, I really feel like it set me off on on a great path and it gave me also firsthand knowledge of what it was like to work at a school, what school environments were like, um, and also how to create impact at a school. You know, I was watching it with my own two eyes and a part of it, which I think when you feel yourself creating a positive impact, you you fall in love with that feeling.
1: yeah, And yeah.
0: Uh, it was just so tangible. So, you know, eventually I I grew to be the Bay Area director there and was part of a big expansion. So Playworks was small when I joined it. And when I left, we were across the country. We were then a, an AmeriCorps program. And I really got to be a part of figuring out those pieces out. And it, it taught me about building a team. I mean, I was very young and I led a big team and I would say it taught me how to build a team and um, how not to build a team. I learned a lot of hard lessons (laughs) and it also taught me about selling a vision, right? My job was to expand it. And so I went and talked to principals across the Bay area about what was possible for their playgrounds. And that was really fun too. So then when I was, when I was at that school though, there was, there was, you know, something that stood out to me, which was, and it, it just stuck in my head. It was that, I didn't like the way we were feeding the young, the kids at school. I didn't feel like the, the food was at the level that it could be. And it just stuck with me. And then years later, uh, there were these, I heard about these two women starting a healthy school lunch company at a Haas business school at Berkeley. And I decided to call them and I essentially just really straight up asked them, are you going to take this out of a business school project into a real company? And can I join you? And lucky for me, they said yes. And yes, to both questions. Uh And I got to be a part of a founding team of Revolution Foods. And that opportunity, I would say, is where I really grew up professionally. I, I call that my experiential MBA, I was head of sales for them. So again, in charge of uh, growing it, growing it across the country. And uh, that was a tremendous opportunity. So the, the, you know, the last two pieces, I would say, of my career journey are that as I grew into leadership roles, I missed that impact we talked about at the school. I missed that direct impact. So I decided to start coaching high school basketball. And for me, coaching helped me stay grounded in the, you know, in the realities of being a young person navigating the world right now. Like, what is that like? And I coached alongside my wife for 20 years, and that spanned my time at Playworks,
1: at Revolution Foods, and at Global Citizen Year. Um, so which was it re- really gave you an opportunity to watch as, the, as the generations of students were passing by, how things were changing, to kind of stay in touch with the trends, I bet.
0: Oh, definitely. And the trends and also the realities of what it's like to be a young person navigating social media navigating the transition from high school to college. I mean, this was not something happening at a distance where I was just looking at the trends and the data. This was something up close and personal. These were young people that I, you know, spent hours and hours with and cared for deeply and cared about their families deeply. And, 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 I think that changes your perspective on even the data that you're seeing. Um, And then, you know, that brings me to now where I'm almost in some ways full circle at Global Citizen Year. You know, I'm in the role of CEO and now I'm lucky enough for my job is to wake up every day and figure out how to give kids from all walks of life, from all over the world, the transformational opportunity that someone gave me right out of college, and that it feels just like a gift. I'm very lucky.
1: Well, I want you to tell us a little bit about Global Citizen Year. I um, thought about you. Your what was going on during COVID, and um, you had the program was b- required travel. It had to be a blow. I, it sounds like you entered the, as CEO at a difficult time, kind of what happened as you were entering as CEO and, and, and what is the structure of what Global Citizen Year is doing now?
0: Yeah. Well, let me back up just to make sure, you know, Global Citizen Year has been around for, uh, we're entering our 13th year and I've I've been here for 10 years. So. Oh, I was uh, thinking you
1: you were more recent. Okay. So you have been through the transitions.
0: Yes, I have, and the first ten years were we built this wonderful program where we we served young, uh, we served high school graduates who had uh, just graduated from high school but not gone to college yet, and they were primarily from the U.S. and we we uh, sent them to Ecuador, Brazil, Senegal, and India for an experience living with a family and doing an apprenticeship, and that was the first decade, and we served about a thousand kids during that period, and you know, uh, when COVID hit, that was obviously not possible to do. <laughs> so we didn't want to sit around and not do anything. And we knew young people needed things, they needed a connection, they needed a community. And so we thought, okay, well, we know how to do th- some of these things. And we know this age group, so how to put our skills to work. And we launched the Academy, uh, which was a virtual program. And when we launched that, we did three three things differently. We the first thing was that we opened it up globally, and in two years' time, we served fifteen hundred kids from over a hundred different countries, and that really taught us, I would say, the power of a global cohort. Yeah, yeah, and and it was it was fundamentally different than uh, our cohorts before of U.S. kids, which were diverse groups of young people, but but really homogenous in where they were from. And the second thing we did that was different was we um, said, you know, we believe that an experience like this is important for a developmental time, you know, a a young person on the cusp of adulthood, but we don't have to be so rigid in that they can never have stepped foot on a college campus. Let's open this up, you know? So we did that. And that turned out to be uh, a true hypothesis that it was more about the developmental age. And then- The the third piece was that we wanted to really make sure that we were having an impact. I mean, you can imagine we had this deep, long, immersive experience and we were a little bit skeptical. Can we create impact in a virtual way? You know, it's totally different. And so we paired with this team of researchers at Harvard to help us understand our impact. And turns out we really could create positive, really meaningful, substantial impact in a virtual setting. And that change the way we thought about how we're going to do programming next in this next era rather than just go back to what we were doing we wanted to build something that was appropriate for right now and that was really had all of our learnings baked into it um, so that brings us to what we're doing now which was we launched a new program called take action lab that's really rooted in our 12 years of experience. We bring young people, we recruit amazing, incredible young people from across the world. We bring them together in a country other than their own. So the first go of this is in Cape Town, South Africa. And the theme for it is human rights. And we bring these young people together. They live in shared housing. They have an apprenticeship. We've worked with a local, we have a local team working with uh, local leaders across the human rights uh, spectrum. So we've got Young know, people in internships with food, you know, dealing with food insecurity, um, with organizations that are working with asylum seekers and refugees, with organizations that are working with, you know, access for girls to sports. Uh, you name it, it's sort of a cross, it's a real cross-section of what human rights uh, organizations can be, can be doing in the world. And then they do that in they, they do that apprenticeship, and then they come home and it's almost an immersion on two levels because they're immersed in the community that they're going to you know, apprentice in every day. And then they come home and they process that experience with someone and a, a group of peers that are from very different backgrounds, which helps them develop a perspective that it really opens their mind to how their perspectives are really a single story. And it's important to be um, expanding that perspective at all times. Um, and so, you know, we put this out into the world. We built this. We put it out in the world. And you know, when you build something new, you kind of cross your fingers, like, I yes. hope people like it. <laughs> and um, Bev, it was unbelievable. We had seven thousand young people begin this application process. We had never had oh, demand wow. like that. And we have a wait list. We we ran it in this last spring, and it was an incredible success. And now we start this week for our next our next cohort, and we have a 60 kid waiting list for this, this uh, second go of Take Action Lab, and we're almost full for the spring session. Um, and so we're feeling really excited. And you know this is just the beginning, one country, one theme. But we want to the idea is to roll it out to different countries with different themes and really expand it so we can get these kids off the wait list and get them this opportunity that we know they're hungry for, you know?
1: Well, I I want to ask you some questions about Gen Z and about young people at this very critical age. And I know you're not a a scientist, an expert on (laughs) generations, but I am, I'm a little baffled. So I thought maybe we could just talk about this a little bit. So, as you know, I talk to people on this podcast, but I also have clients all over the country and um, they're hiring people sometimes. They're trying to bring in Gen Z. They're trying to manage Gen Z. And they're saying there's something different and sometimes it drives them mad. And it, uh, <laughs> on the one hand, they're... Um, very dedicated to issues. This is what I'm hearing. Um, and um, they're they're really caring. And on the other hand, they're hard to deal with. They can, be, can be, be very blunt. And they also don't communicate in the same way. So I got interested in all this. And I went and said, well, I'm going to read more about the difference in the workplace of generations. Because I can't remember people talking about the age of the hire of the people they were hiring as much as I've been hearing lately. And I looked at all kinds of research, you know, just casually, not as a scientist, but you know, online looking at all the big uh, places that do this kind of research. And it, they didn't agree on a lot of things. Um, some people talked about how uh, the boomers are so different from generation X who are not like millennials and, others said you know don't overthink it it's just because everybody's like that at this age and the generations aren't that different but here's what i've kind of come down to this is what i want i want to ask you if you think this makes some sense there is a way that gen z is different from early or all earlier generations and that is the way they have learned to communicate. On the one hand, it's got to be fabulous because young people can connect with peers around the world. On the other hand, what I'm hearing from employers is that some of these young people aren't good at talking to each other face-to-face. They're, they haven't learned some of the skills that we regard they regard as, as basic. So that's a long way of asking, what's your take on Gen Z. What, if you wanted to do the impossible, which is to describe a whole generation, what, what can you tell us about uh, people who are kind of recent high school grads or you know, early college grads who are really thinking about their, how they want to impact the world or their career or both?
0: Yeah. Okay. Great question. I, and you know, I am not a scientist, so yes. I will speak from my experience. That's all but, I ask. yeah And I'm always a little hesitant. I am a Gen Xer, so I don't want to, you know, be talking about a whole generation, but I do have some experience here and I have, I do have a perspective. Um, And from my experience, I think one of the fundamental differences, so I agree with you on the communication, but I would even back it up one, one step to say that, I think it's about a different belief system that is emerging with Gen Z. And that is that they don't believe that work should be separate from making a positive impact in the world. They don't see it differently. I think generations before were like, were more focused, you know, let me do my work and then do my volunteer hours or then, or let me do my work, make my money and then I'll give back. Right. And I don't, I I don't see Gen Z feeling, the same way. I don't see them approaching this the same way. And I think this makes them fundamentally different to work with. They combine, they want to combine making a positive impact and work. And this makes them want to understand how their work is contributing to making the world better. And if they can't see it, I think they're more vocal about it. And to me, this is fundamentally a good thing. What what if we all, what if all generations before us said work should be about making a positive impact in the world. Well, we would be in a different place. I mean, we've made a huge advancements, but we've also made huge mistakes. Uh, and so for me, I love this. And I, I think it's gonna change the world for the better. I also think it can be frustrating to work with. And I think one of those reasons is because it's new and different. It's a different approach and i think another one of those reasons is and i'll just speak to my for myself here is that sometimes it's a reflection of our own shortcomings they hold up a mirror and sometimes that is not very fun and it's i think it's on us to own that and say yeah you know we've done a lot of great things and we've also done some things that have caused some damage and you're pointing those out and you're asking us to fix it and I think that for me, it's about holding up my own mirror and saying, what's going on for me here? Let me be curious. And why is this frustrating me? And how do I then turn this into action
1: where we're working together on the same goals? All right, I, On the one hand, I agree with you. I think it's very exciting. On the other hand, work is still not the same as not working for somebody else. So let's talk about when there's an <laughs> employer. And, and mm-hmm. the employer may have um, a mission that's fabulous. Um, and I'm thinking of a lot of people who've been on this podcast uh, who, I'm thinking one um, fellow who makes chocolate and he starts by working with the farmers in uh, mm. South America or Africa, and he works on the their approach to no child labor and an environment. And he creates, he brings over terrific chocolate, but at the end of the day, he's got to have people there who are taking chocolate and turning it into chocolate bars. And that means mm-hmm. that he's hiring people who are doing work that may be tedious. It may not be fulfilling. Um, but to to uh, focus on his vision, he's got to have people doing tedious work. And now what I would say to him if I was coaching him is, well, you have to help them get a sense of what this vision is and buy into the vision but the, the fact of the matter is there are lots of times when work is just work, and it may have a good impact in the world, but it still can be tedious. So how do you deal with that when you're working with young people, when, you're, when they're in as apprentices and um, on working for uh, your partners, and, and they have to do tedious things? Is that an issue? Yeah. Oh, for sure it's an
0: issue. And I'm just kind of, if if you could see me, I'm just smiling because it's definitely an issue. And we get questions like, well, how is this contributing to human rights? Or how is this, you know, what is what I'm doing every day? How does it contribute? And, And that is where I think we come in. And I think it's actually where, We can really have an impact on on helping a young person understand how a business works and what it needs to to produce either the impact, produce the chocolate that it's producing, um, and that each of these functions is really important and the, the why and how the business works. And so I have definitely experienced what you're talking about and I have, I will cop to it, I have found it frustrating because sometimes from my seat I can lose my way a little bit and think you know l- let's just get the work done and I think as a CEO and as someone who has done the tedious work and still has tedious work I mean let's let's be clear <laughs> like I every role has tedious work I think how we build context Matters so I think you're right in in connecting the dots. Why do we do it this way? Um, why do I need to be working on this project? How am I contributing to the greater good? And and then for us, what we also try to do is give stretch projects, things that uh, are projects that need to be done that are maybe on the on the back burner that can help fuel an understanding for why the tedious work needs to be done, but also fuel the learning for a young person so that they can get a balance. And I, I, I think it's, it is on us to create work environments where people from all generations who want to learn and grow are given the opportunity to learn and grow. It doesn't have to live in opposition to doing tedious work. Does that make sense? It can, they can live together. Um, One doesn't
1: negate the other. I agree with what you're saying about learning being so important and our need to put people in context and give people an opportunity to stretch. But there's another part of it that kind of interests me. and, And that is, I believe that even things that are kind of tedious, can be fun if you work at them. Like when you were coaching basketball, your kids were learning the most when they were working hard to get better, right? And I I think part of what we can do as managers is to help people not only see how their work fits in to the mission in the organization, but to help them see how they can grow and learn and build skills no matter where they are. Does that resonate with you?
0: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And when I think I love basketball as the example, because talk about tedious work. I mean, you are drilling a new move, you drill Mm -hmm. it and drill it and drill it, you do it 1000s and 1000s of times to get better at it. And it can sometimes feel. First off, it can feel overwhelming because it can be because it can be new. But once you start to show what's possible with this new move, what's possible with this new skill, the reason we're drilling it, and then show moments of where they've utilized it and used the new skill, um, that tediousness starts to. It starts to have the context that it needs to then keep a young person motivated on doing whatever that tedious act is. Um, and I, I think that's a great example.
1: So I think that um, what we say to people out there who are both excited, but also tearing their hair with frustration as they're working with <laughs> um, recent uh, grads or you know and any kind of young person is, there's a lot of opportunity here. There really are mm-hmm. some things that are a bit different, but it might lead to a richer work environment for everybody. And, all right, I have one other question I have to ask you. I, I could go on with you for a while. This is really interesting stuff to me. Mm-hmm. But there's one question I, I think our leaders might want. I, it would be wonderful if more young people can have the kind of experiences that you're creating, that, that you had as a young person. Uh, but there aren't enough programs to go around and maybe um, there are other ways to do it. If we have listeners out there who are thinking, oh, I would love to take a gap year. Maybe I'm not even that young anymore, but I, I love the idea of something new and stretching myself. Or maybe we have listeners who are parents and who uh, could help their kids find some kind of opportunities to Kind of get out of where they are and learn something new. Do you have any suggestions for listeners on just how to start if if they want to create for themselves or their families some kind of gap so they can get out there and learn something new and see another part of the world?
0: Oh, I'm so glad you asked this because I definitely have thoughts on this. Um, I would say Three three things, and, and this is, you know, I think these can be applied to everyone, but really the, the lens that I, I bring is, you know, if you're thinking about crafting something for your young person in your family. Um, I think, and, and, but I do think that these can apply, you know, to all ages. And whatever your experience is, I think there are three, three pieces. One is, who are you having this experience with? Is the, the group that you're going to be, with is the, you know, are the folks that you're going to be meeting along the way or or having an experience with, are they coming from different backgrounds? And I think that is critical to your own learning, that you're not processing your experience with someone who's very, has a very similar worldview to you. You're actually processing your experience with someone who's going to bring a very different perspective to that same experience. And the second thing is I would look for opportunities where the organization is very clear about how, and this is especially if you're going to uh, have a global experience, where the organization is clear about how it works with communities. Uh, Are they working? Do they have local leadership? Is there mutuality? You want to really avoid volunteerism and extractive practices. And then the third thing that I think is the most important thing well, they're all important, but this is very important, is that it's an opportunity that really puts you in your stretch zone and that you you seek experiences that make you feel uncomfortable in a way that ignites the learning and activates you in a new way. So th- those are my three, I think, that are critical for really maximizing a moment, if you're going to invest in a moment where you step back and have an experience that maybe shapes you differently, I think that those three things will help make sure
1: that you make the most of it. All right. I, I love those three things. And I think they apply for lots of people. I I know a lot of seniors who are looking to have mm. um, a, um, a gap year. They're looking for opportunities to, to reach out and become different and better and and more fulfilled people. Mm-hmm. So so let's see if I've got it right. It's it's diversity or at least different people than you. You're going mm-hmm. to be in a different kind of world. And then wherever you are if you're working on a program make sure that they're working with the community and they're not taking advantage of a community they're, that you you are secondary to the community's own goals and situation mm-hmm. and then the third is it's got to be a stretch opportunity this is not tourism it's not going on a you know like a a world tour this is finding a way to be asked to do some things that you're going to find a little difficult right so those
0: those are the three
1: those are the three well that is a wonderful summary i hope uh I hope some people are out there thinking, oh, oh, this is what I'm going to do next. But Erin, it was wonderful having you here. Thank you so much for being here. And uh, I hope we have a chance to talk again sometime.
0: I do too, Bev. I love your show. And I, I just loved this time together. So thank you so much.
1: Today, we've been talking with Global Citizen Year CEO, Erin Llewellyn about how international gap experiences can help college students to grow. This podcast is produced by WOUB Public Media. Adam Rich is our audio engineer. I'm your host, Beverly Jones, author of Find Your Happy at Work. And our sponsor is the Voinovich School of Leadership and Public Service at Ohio University. Today's tip is that if you wanna make a difference in the world, a starting point might be to volunteer with a nonprofit. It might be life changing whether you travel around the globe or find a project in your own neighborhood. Thanks for listening to Jazzed About Work, and if you like the show, please tell your friends.